Hidden Treasures Revealed is on the air this Tuesday evening, September the 5th. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Phil, tell me briefly about your good day. Uh, it was good. <laughs> That's about as, as brief as I can be. It's really not just uh, a good functional day. Well, and actually it doesn't have to be brief. Even goes back to the programming of how are you? How are you doing? How was your day? I just thought of saying it a different way instead of how are you doing, which I know you're doing good, just to, if there's anything you wanted to share. And and that's the thing. Finding the true faith in Yah is about every day, not every day being a Friday, but every day being a good day because when you know the truth of God and you're applying it in your life and you're benefiting from it and changing your life for the better, there are no bad days. The only bad days that exist are the ones that you create for yourself in your mind anyway, because with God, all things are functional. And how could something or a circumstance be a bad day if everything in your life is functional anyway? So glad that you had a good day. I had a good day as well. And what we're going to be talking about tonight is a Phil, I'm going to use a word that you use many times in the gathering. You'll say that something is pivotal. If you break down the word pivotal, meaning switching directions, a very important thing, a very important concept. And this had come to mind actually a few days ago in asking mother about what she wanted us to talk about and had something else go through my mind too, which will be uh, for another time. But this one kept coming around and it goes beautifully along with what we just talked about on the last podcast about division that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And we took that to, we were talking about Christianity and the different denominations. And this is going to circle us back around to the will of God and the fact of instead of a house being divided against itself, that is not able to stand we're going to focus on the other aspect, which is a house unified will stand. The importance of this is the fact of Yah has made for us to be reconciled to them, to be unified with them. And that is done actually not just by the work of Messiah, but the work of Abba, the father, and by his bride and mother, the Holy Spirit. What came to mind in this was, is that yes, division is out there, but in order to be in the true faith of God, you must be unified with God. 
and if you are unified with God, with Yah, then those that have faith in Yah, you will be unified with. This is such a crucial aspect of faith because we've been through the gospel message, continue to go through the gospel message as many times, as many ways, as much depth as Yah wants us to have. And this is just another one of those where because of programming and because other people have told you throughout your life that people will assume something because they've been told something because they've read something and they assume that, okay, that's what it is. And this is just another beautiful aspect of truth is that Yah is going to give us information to tell those that are listening on how you can know that you're unified with God, how you can know what it is to be in Christ, which is mentioned in the Bible, in Messiah, we say as well. And I actually had this thought coming over to the podcast that, yes, that it is an absolute necessity in order for you to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be in Messiah. But it's not just being in Messiah. It's also being in the Father, and it's also being in the Spirit. And we know that with absolute certainty because Messiah himself says to his disciples before he left them that I command you to go out into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, Mother. The reason for focusing tonight more on being in Messiah is that is the way that you can know that you are in unity that you have what is referred to in the Word of God as the fullness of the deity in bodily form, meaning that when you are in the place of being in Messiah, that you have the fullness of deity in bodily form, meaning that you are fully immersed in the Father, you're fully immersed in the Son, and fully immersed in Mother, the Holy Spirit, the one baptism. And the Word of God goes into detail about this, but the The focus on this is that the way of Yah is to be unified, to be one, because it says in the word that the Lord God is Ehad, or one, which means whole. And if something is whole, then there's no division in it. If I order a pizza and I get a whole pizza, unless somebody cuts it with the pizza cutter, it's into different pieces. But let's say that it's not cut that you have a whole. There is no dividing it up into pieces. It's a whole. It's one pizza, one together unified. And that's the key. That's the reason for Messiah coming and his work, his suffering, his death and resurrection was to bring reconciliation of those to God, those that seeking faith in God, that ultimately find faith in God, that the work of Messiah was to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself, giving of his body for the people so that sin can be taken away, that you could have remission of sins. Before that, repentance towards Abba, you would have forgiveness of sins, and you would have a time of cleansing, but you didn't have the removal of sin. Therefore, there was still a separation from God. 
until Messiah's work was done so that mother could come and bring the gift of the Holy Spirit, as it's referred to, which is the circumcision of the heart that you are not able to be fully in God. The key verse, as spoken earlier, was that in him you have the fullness of the deity in bodily form, which means you have the fullness of God, which means God is one. So the only way for you to be united, to be unified with God, is you have to have the one baptism. You have to have the full immersion into the full, complete unity in God. And we use the word church often, and it's very important to understand what the church is. The church, and we were told this actually by Yah, that the true meaning of church, the church of Messiah, which is the church, is the humble gathering. The church is not a building, a physical building. The church is a group of believers and Messiah unified, thinking the same thing, having the same truth, walking the same truth, unified. So you can say, people can say the Methodist church, the Baptist church, the Catholic church. No, that's a denomination. That's a division. There's in one body, and that one body is Yeshua Messiah, and those found in him are the church, the, the church of the firstborn. And it's important that being as one body, that we all speak the same thing. I'm not saying that we speak it with the same exact words, but we have the one understanding that the church of God must understand that, yes, at the beginning of the faith journey, as you're seeking with all your heart and you find the Father and you come to him and see him as a terror and you decide you want to escape hell and you're obligated to do this because I want to escape punishment, but then that ultimately turns to see that the Father Abba is good and his law is good and you decide that you're going to turn and repent and you turn to him and you walk in that repentance, you're walking as Abba does. And once you fully commit turning to him, walking in repentance, then you're in the Father. Well, being in the Father, the Father is one with Messiah, so he will draw you to Messiah. Once you're in Messiah, you are in obedience, you are in Yeshua. When you crucify yourself with Christ spiritually, by putting selfishness to death, not putting self to death, but putting selfishness to death. You'll have resurrection from the dead. Mother, the Holy Spirit, will enter into your heart and she'll remove the sin nature from your heart, place it in the body of flesh, which is referred to as the thorn in the flesh, where it will keep you from being prideful. It'll keep you from boasting about what you've done, just to always keep you in that humility that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith not by works, but through our works of faith that are in grace. And the goal is to continue in Messiah, unified one with God, having your sins forgiven, and being reconciled to God and continuing growing in the grace and knowledge of Messiah, which in Messiah the Word says where all the spiritual blessings dwell within Messiah, the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding. So we're to continue in that faith journey, steadfast to the end, because if we don't continue to the end, 
then there's a opportunity that we may fall away if somebody decides that they want to return to sin, which would be blasphemy of mother. And the goal of that is to not do that, to set your mind that you're not going to do that because remaining unified with God, if you are in God, if you are in Messiah, you will not continue to sin. And that's one of the things that gets bypassed is because the importance of what we're doing here is first, it's from God. And we are speaking the very words that Yah wants us to speak. And this is not for you to listen to this and say that, okay, yeah, that sounds good and it's true. No, when you listen to what we're saying, weigh it against the truth, look at the Bible, search it out, and make sure that what we're saying lines up with the Word of God. And if it does, then apply it, put it into practice. If it doesn't, and we me and Phil, we even talked about this recently, that if somebody has a question, if they see something that's in the Word, that's something that we've said that doesn't line up, we're okay with being challenged in it because we're still human. Uh, sometimes we'll give an answer that will be wrong, that we don't, something we may not see, something we may not grasp. And because we're still human, we're not perfected yet, but we're in the process of perfecting. So it's okay, and we're okay with that. But this is about you discovering this and you owning this. It's just like if you were to buy a car and you own it and you do nothing with it, then what do you gain from it? That what do you gain from listening to us in the end, if what we're saying isn't true, then you believe the lie and then God's going to look at you and say, hey, why did you believe this lie? Why didn't you do what the word of God says? Why didn't you do what our word said? Why did you listen to what somebody else said and not make sure that it lined up with the truth? And that's the key in this is listen and discern what we're saying and what we're saying is by mother evaluate it against scripture and think about it because with your programming there's going to be things that are there's going to be cognitive dissonance come in we talked about that on a podcast several times that your programming will take over unless you're steadfast and really hey you know what i'm willing to be wrong in this so that i can know the truth and that's a decision that anybody seeking the full faith in God, the journey of faith is you've got to make that decision that you're willing to be wrong in what you're doing because God is true. And even the word says that let God be true and every man or woman a liar. So that look into this and make sure that it lines up with truth. Because if you listen to us and just go on what we say and don't seek after it, and you just listen to what we say and you don't dig into it and discover it, then you're going to have to answer to God. If you don't find it, then you're going to have to answer to God. And God will say, why didn't you look into this? Why didn't you look into our truth and seek it out for yourself? Yes, they were giving you information, but why didn't you do anything with it? So I challenge those that are out there that yes, you may listen to this and think, man, this is just really cool. And it's just, it sounds really good. And, and it, it should sound good because it's the truth of God, but it's for you to discover it, that all we are, we're, as the word says, we one of us plants, one waters, but it's Yah that gives the increase. Yah is the one that's going to be able to open your eyes to understand this. And the best way to do that, or really the way the way to do it, is seek God with hurt and approach God, and God will approach you, and they will help you to understand. They will lead you in the in the word and where to find this. There's a lot of those listening out there from Christianity in Christianity that you've heard this term in Christ, in Christ, you know, I, I accepted Jesus as Lord and savior. I'm in Christ now. 
Well, it's important to understand that just think about the words in Christ. If I were to say, I am in Phil, all right, well, if I'm in him, then that means I'm in his body that I can, I'm walking with him. I'm going where he's going. So this isn't just, you make a a blanket decision that says, well, I accept that, that Jesus is the son of God. And that just makes me okay. No, this is, if you're going to say that you're in Messiah, that means that you are walking as he did. And the word of God says this, it says those that claim to be in him must walk as he did meaning that we're talking to the people that claim to be in him. Now, if somebody doesn't claim to be in him, okay. But it makes it very clear that if you claim, if you say I'm in Messiah, then you must walk as he did. And the depth of this is look at his life. Look what he did. Look how we spoke to people. Look what he taught. That if you're claiming to be in him and you continue to sin, you're not in him. If you made a profession that you accepted him as Lord and Savior, and you don't want to understand repentance, and you don't want to understand circumcision of the heart, you can say that you're in him all you want. But the key in this is not just that you say you're in him, is that let me see the proof. Let me see your actions to show that you're in him. Are you speaking the same truth that he's speaking? Are you suffering for his name as he suffered? Do you have people in your family that are not on that same journey and they persecute you and they turn their back on you? And the hope is that happens that over time that will change if the person comes to faith. Are you suffering as he did? Are you walking the same journey? Are you being persecuted or is your life just being everything is good, everything's easy? Because these statements that are made, and we even had this in our gathering recently, is that we'll say words and concepts at times, and we think we understand what it means, but we really don't. We we think we understand. And with this topic, just like anything with the Socratic, we're not here to give you the exact final answer, but it's to bring about questions in your mind so that you can seek it out and discover it for yourself and really to evaluate, am I in Christ? What does the word God say about being in Christ? I'm done with people telling me because I made this decision that I'm in Christ and I'm saved and I'm looking into the Bible and I'm not seeing these things line up. This is not lining up. I I opened up the word and I was reading in the book of Colossians and it says that in him, the fullness of the, the deity dwells in you bodily, meaning the fullness of deity in bodily form. How can that be? What does that look like? And it says in him that written code was canceled and that you die with him, you raise with him, that you are one in Messiah, that there is no Greek, no Scythian, barbarian, but Christ is all and is in all. Well, if it's all about one body in Messiah, one church, Why are there all these denominations? Why is there all this division? If in Messiah means unity, why are we having all these divisions? Shouldn't there just be the church of Messiah and that's it? They all believe the same thing. And then you read in John where it says, if they would have remained with us, they would have stayed with us if they were truly with us because they weren't, they left. 
So there's all kinds of different areas. And the importance of this is, is that set your mind that you're going to stop believing what people say, because it sounds good to what your itching ears want to hear because you're programming. Well, it just feels good that I accepted Jesus and now I'm in him and everything is good. Well, but what does the word of God say about that? What does it say about the life of Messiah? What does it say about his purpose? It says that Messiah came to get rid of the devil. Well, what's the devil's work? Well, the devil's work is to keep people in sin. Well, he came to destroy the work of the devil. He came to eliminate sin by the sacrifice of himself so that when you're in him, you don't sin anymore. Therefore, you walk as he did. So if anybody says, well, it's no way possible that you could not sin in this life. Oh, it is possible. And not only possible, it is a must because Messiah came to be an example for us to follow in his footsteps, that he was made in every way just like us, yet without sin. He told people that came up to him, go and sin no more, or else something worse is going to happen to you. He's telling you that you want to be unified with God, then you've got to get away from disobedience. Stop being a son or daughter of disobedience. Get away from your old way of lifestyle. Repent to God so that your sins can be forgiven, but you continue on to learn what true obedience to God is because sin is lawlessness. Get away from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. You claim to be in him, then that means that you don't sin anymore. So if you say I sin, you fall short of the glory of God, you're not in him. And this is just a way to recognize that on the journey, yes, there's different aspects of the gospel message, but when you claim to be in him, circumcision of the heart is what you have. For you to be in him, circumcision of the heart, so that mother can come within your heart, circumcise your heart, sin is taken out of your heart, put into the body of flesh. So now you can walk as Messiah on the earth without sin. Your spiritual aspect of who you are, your mind, your soul, they dwell with God in the heavenly realms because the word also says you died, which means that you've been crucified with Christ and your life is hidden in Christ in God. Well, in God, Yah, there is no darkness at all. You cannot dwell in God if you have sin in your heart. You must have the light in your heart, which is the enlightenment, which you get from circumcision of the heart. So all aspects of Yah, all three aspects who are unified and whole, Abba, Yeshua, and Mother, are unified. And the way to be reconciled to God is to have the full unification with them so that you can be holy as they're holy. The Word of God says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Well, Yah says, be holy as I am holy. Well, God doesn't sin. So therefore, if you claim to be in the Son, you must walk as the Son did. The Son did not disobey his mother and father. He obeyed them. So therefore, in him, you are able to now obey God because you've set your mind that you're going to get away from sin and never walk in that again. So just like with any aspect that we talk about, the depth of this goes so much further. But this is, Phil, this is what came to my mind, just piggybacking off of, well, came to my mind because mother brought this to mind, that yes, there's division in the world, but we as believers in Messiah, 
that know God and they know us, we're going to be preaching and the giving truth to people so that you can discover that not only can you know that you're in Messiah, but change that back, change that back. Not only can you have understanding of knowing your Messiah, you can know for sure. And there's many different aspects to make this clear. So Phil, if you have any thoughts on this, which I'm sure you do, this is the concept that came to mind because this is such a crucial thing that we don't want people to assume the faith that they have. Knowing God is about knowing your faith and knowing that the hope that we profess and with the information that God has given, this is given to people so that you can look at the word of God and know the truth. And as Messiah said that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I'll turn it over to you for thoughts that you would have on this very important subject. Well, anytime we sit down and we talk about the truth of God, it's an important subject. Uh, And very important subject. I just want to clarify because this aspect of in him, the process of it goes along with the baptism perspective that we talked about. And so it's important for people to understand that you're not fully in Messiah until after you've had circumcision of the heart, just like we've talked about, you're not fully baptized until you've been immersed into Abba, into Messiah, and into Mother, into the Spirit. And this being in Him and being in the Father and in the Son and in the Spirit, the objective goal, the way it works, is just like the immersion into Abba through the repentance, that is your repentance is when you believe when you believe in the Father. Okay? Now you're not in God yet. Not in Christ, but you believe in God. That's why you repent and you turn your life to them because well, I believe in absolution that the law of God was put there. I uh, and so I agree with God 100%. I'm going to follow this law because it's God's. And you walk through the process of attempting to do that, even though you're not capable. Well, because you've repented, you have the forgiveness still for your sins. So you believe in the Father, which is The believing in him is your immersion into the Father through repentance. That is you believing in the Father. And then when the Father sees after you've been tested that you believe in him, then he will draw you to the Son. And then your objective goal is to learn the obedience through Messiah until you believe in Messiah. So you have the fullness of believing everything he says from a obedience perspective, because that's his responsibility was to show us how to walk uh, righteous before God. 
and that is through obedience. He said, I do everything the Father tells me to do. Okay, well, that's obedience. And so we immerse ourselves into Messiah in the aspect of, okay, I've repented to God, and so now I'm immersing myself into Messiah, which is I'm obeying God no matter what God tells me to do. When I know God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. But be careful if you haven't learned to distinguish voices to be able to dis- to distinguish the difference between the voices of God and the voices of the enemy because the enemy can come to you like an angel of light. They can come to you in the pretense that they're God. And part of your responsibility is to learn how to discern the voices so you know who's talking to you. And you can do that by weighing it against Scripture. But then, so you're, you're, you believe in the Father, you repent, you believe in Messiah, and your heart is set in absolution of obedience to God, and then now you have to go to the trust, and you work through the trust perspective till you believe in the Spirit, that the Spirit's going to uh, teach you and guide you and protect you and comfort you and do what her responsibility is, and you believe that with everything, okay, now you've immersed yourself into the spirit. So you, you are, you believe in the father. Now you believe in the son and now you believe in the Holy spirit. And then after you've been tested in your belief in the Holy spirit, which comes by you being tested and just trusting that God's going to take care of things, when that comes full circle, that's when you get the circumcision of the heart, and then you've been baptized into the name of the Father, into the name of the Son, and into the name of the Holy Spirit. And so it is important that people understand just because you repent doesn't make you in Messiah. What makes you in Messiah is when your belief in all three comes full circle and you have circumcision of the heart, that's when you believe in Messiah. That, that's when you are in him. You have the fullness of deity in bodily form at that point, and anything else that the Bible says in him. And here's an interesting thing, because this aspect of in him can work, can help you on both sides of uh, faith. It, it can help you on the journey of seeking God with all of your heart to recognize and understand that you're not in him by looking at all the places where it says in him, okay, in him, there is no sin. Why well, know I sin? Well, then what do you do with that? I uh, cause in him, there is no sin. Well, that was one of the ones that, that uh, I looked at as I was coming through this journey. I was like, well, that scripture says in him, there is no sin. And I know I sin. And I, I know the problem's not the Bible. The problem's me. So I'm going to figure out how to, how to get to the place where I can be what that says. And, uh, 
Those who claim to be in him must walk like Messiah did. Well, I'm sinning, and if I'm sinning, Messiah walked. He didn't sin, so I can't be like him. And the veil is lifted over the old covenant that you can understand it. And I was like, well, I don't understand the Old Testament. It, it doesn't make sense to me. We try to think we can understand the New Testament, but the Old Testament, I, I, it doesn't make sense. And that scripture from Corinthians says that only in him is the veil lifted. And so you can use this. So when you start understanding the Old Testament from the perspective that the Old Testament was there so that you could actually understand the new covenant, the new conversion of the same law, it's there that you have to look to it and it tells you, okay, well, in him, there is no sin. Wow. I don't have a guilty conscience now. And because I don't have a guilty conscience, that that was a clarification that was made in Scripture that the uh, blood of bulls and goats couldn't cleanse the conscience of the worshiper. But it was only a matter of sacrificial system where what can cleanse the conscience of the worshiper is by you crucifying yourself with Christ, you dying to your selfishness, putting yourself on the cross. So you die to the written code and you come alive to the spirit of the law where the spirit of the law sets you free. And I don't uh, look down on people because they don't understand the fact of uh, not having and well, if you're in faith, everybody, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you're not, nobody's able to, to walk like he did. And nobody's able to not sin. Well, the Bible tells you that you can. And it's important that you know you can. But until you have circumcision of the heart, until you've walked where we've walked, you can't know that you can live a life without sin. I was on the other side where I was living what I perceived was faith, still sinning. But when I saw those scriptures, I was like, no, I can't be right because I'm not supposed to be sinning. The Bible doesn't lie. And it says in him, there is no sin. And anybody who continues to sin is going to end up in hell. And I knew that I fell under that. I didn't know what it was like to live without sin and without the guilt of sin and that freedom that you have, that peace that surpasses all understanding. But now I do because I've walked it. I've been there. And until you've had the heart knowledge, I can tell you what it's like. We can tell people what it's like, but until you walk it, you're not going to have the head knowledge to, to understand it. It's like me trying to understand your life without me living your life. I didn't grow up like you grew up. I grew up in different circumstances. I, uh, I turned more towards a uh, tough guy perspective 
uh, where you turn more of a shield perspective. And it's just a fact that we're not exactly the same. But we have to, and if I want to understand your mindset and what you do and why you do it, then I have to be you. I have to live your life. Now, from a world and a sin perspective, we can correlate that way. Was it exactly, did we have all the exact same things? No. But you had sin, I had sin. And we both have uh, escaped from that sin through circumcision of the heart. And therefore, there is no, uh, there is no condemnation. And we know there's no condemnation. And since I've had circumcision of the heart, there has never, ever once been a single moment that I've been like, is this really? Because I know it's true. But, and this is the thing, when, when you haven't walked on the side of circumcision of the heart, I understand that you can't understand what it's like to not sin. The whole factor is what you brought up in a believing what the word says. The Bible says in him there is no sin. Not, not us or anybody other teacher of the truth. We're just repeating what the Bible says. In him there is no sin. Anyone who continues to sin has not known him nor known the Father. Anyone who sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. The wages of sin is death. If you sin at any point in any degree, the wages of that is death. Now, we know that in the journey of faith, that as long as you're seeking with all of your heart and you hit that point of believing in God for repentance, sin in that process is forgiven. But it has to be removed in order for you to enter into the kingdom of God. If it doesn't get removed prior to you leaving the face of the earth, the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you sin, you fall short of the glory of God. And I don't care how you try to excuse it away. Well, Messiah came, and but I still sin. And if you sin, you fall short of the glory of God. And the whole concept in this is for people, wake up, open your eyes. And here's the problem. There's many, many, many people who are not going to open their eyes. And only a few that are going to say, wait a minute, me evaluate this because I really want to, I, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to burn. I, I'm going to figure this out. And then they start on a journey of seeking God with all of their heart. And if you do that, you will find that place of being in Messiah and you will be able to feel and recognize and understand what it's like to live a life without sin, that sin is been removed from you and therefore you have peace and this is that peace that surpasses all understanding and you can say you have peace but you can't lie to yourself you you know the turmoil 
that you have within you when you're, well, am I really saved? Well, the Bible says in him there is no sin, and and I keep sinning, and I know I'm sinning, and what you do with that? You you either embrace it and say, well, we just, well, we all sin. Everybody sinned, and yeah, everybody has sinned. If you're born into this life, you will sin. So nobody will be able to say, well, I have never sinned. But when the scripture says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that's telling you that sin is short of the glory of God. And it doesn't matter if it's a teeny little white lie or murder, because if you've broken the law at one point, you've broken the whole law, and therefore you stand condemned by the whole law. So you have to find this place in Messiah where you are free from sin, and therefore there is no condemnation for you, and you will be able to understand and recognize like we do. And so when we talk about in him, keep in mind, read through your Bible, read through the Bible where it talks about being in God or in Messiah or in love. And time it says in him, there's a, a, a stipulation, or not a stipulation, a promise that if you're in him, you have this. And if you have in him, you have this. And like you said from Colossians, in him is the fullness of deity in bodily form. <coughs> and if you have the fullness of deity in bodily form, you can't sin. Because you cannot profess that any part of deity sins. And if you are in that position, as the Bible says, to be in the fullness of deity in bodily form, then it is an impossibility for you to sin. The only way you can sin is for you to depart from your faith, and then you can return to sin. It's by your choice that you would choose you don't want the things of God anymore, and you blaspheme the Spirit, you can return to sinning. But if you're in him, in him is no sin. So as long as you remain in him, he will remain in you. You continue in that, in him, and you don't ever have to worry about sin again. But if you deviate, from the plan, from the course laid out, and take it upon yourself to bring sin back in, you're immediately removed because sin cannot dwell or God cannot dwell in a place of sin. And that's why mother cannot, the spirit cannot live in your heart if you profess at any point that you sin. It's, a, it's an impossibility. Now, it doesn't mean that mother can't come upon people who are sinners. She can, she will, she has in the past, and she'll do it again. She can come upon people in order to carry out the uh, prophetic and absolute word of God, the truth of God, but she cannot in you if you have sin. And that's a fact because God cannot dwell with sin. And sin is of the heart. And that's where mother 
enters into you is in your heart, and you cannot have sin in your heart and mother in your heart at the same time. It is an absolute impossibility for you to have that. And, and so if you're, you know that you sin, just use that as a tool for evaluation of how do I get away from this? What am I missing? Cry out to God. Call aloud for understanding. Cry out for insight. Seek as though you're seeking for hidden treasure, and then you will gain the knowledge of the Lord. Because the, the fear of the Lord, which is where you believe in Abba, when you believe in Abba, you have feared Abba in order to, no, I believe everything about them, and and God is right, and I am not. You have the fear of the Lord when you see God as a terror, the Bible says, that's the beginning of wisdom. And if you haven't faced God as a terror, that you fear God, and you fear the fact that he's going to punish you when you sin, you can't have faith in God. It's an absolute impossibility because it's the turn away from sin. If I'm a sinner, and I repent, and I turn away from sin, okay? When I have circumcision of the heart, I can sin no more. Everything up to that point of circumcision of the heart is me proving to God that I believe in the Father, that I believe in the Son. I believe in the Father, so I'm going to follow the law to the best of my ability. Doesn't matter if I can do it or not. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And then obedience. You're in Messiah through that, uh, not in him, but believing in him. Then you're going, well, I believe in the Father, and so I'm going to be obedient no matter what God tells me to do. That's what I'm going to do. And then again, the trust with mother. So it is very important that for people seeking with all of your heart, and that's that's the uh, the, the people that we want to reach is the people who want to know the truth about God. For those people, seek God with all of your heart, and when you do that and never turn back from it, you will find a place of no sin. And it is there, and you can do it. But people will tell you, like my cousin with that one uh, discussion we had, uh, you sin, you just don't admit it. Well, I understand that he can't understand what I'm talking about because he's so locked into the worldly aspect of the the Catholicism that he doesn't want to let go of that what is a lie and hold on to that what is the truth. And so he would put on me, you just don't, you just don't, I acknowledge that you sin. It's like, no, I've walked where you've walked, but you haven't walked where I've walked. So I'm not going to get mad or upset or aggravated because you tell me that I'm faking it. I know what I'm doing, and God knows. If if I'm faking it, I can't fake it good enough to fool God. And so I would have to answer to God for faking it. 
but I promise you that when you seek God with all of your heart and when you find circumcision of the heart, you will find a place of no sin. And But there's also a learning curve because when you get to circumcision of the heart, now you have to recognize the things that are falling in line within him. Wow. I, I, I have that. I, I'm starting to understand the, the Old Testament and how it lines up uh, to bring about the New Testament. And I'm starting to say, wow. And so you start to see that these promises are fulfilled. And when you believe the promises are fulfilled, then go through and read all of them and recognize what you have. There's a deity in bodily form. No sin. Peace that surpasses all understanding. And people can say and talk about a peace that surpasses all understanding, but you can't understand what that is until you've removed sin from your life and until you walk in an aspect of absolute trust to God to the best of your ability. And again, we do things in the circular, so I will always learn to trust God more. There will always be another situation, uh, a bigger circumstance to come along, give me the ability to say, you know what, God, I'm going to leave it in your hands. I, I am not going to try to do this myself. To I uh, trust you. And so we have to continue to face things, but we continue to grow and learn as we work in the circular perspective of this. I'm going to go back to a scripture that you mentioned and give the other side of it from Romans. The wages of sin is death, and that's true. But after that, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ that's where the eternal life dwells. And it says, and getting back to Colossians, that it pleased Yah to put the fullness of who they are to all that to do. I had this come to mind when you were speaking. You had said that you do not sin, or you would say, I do not sin. What happens here is that when mother takes sin out of your heart, you longer have no nature to sin. So you are now godly because of the fullness of deity. You don't, you're now godly in your nature, which God cannot sin because if they did, then they couldn't be God because they're not going to break their own law that they dwell in perfection. They walk in perfection, which means that they obey all the laws that have been put in place. So there's a scripture that says this, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if you dwell in Messiah, if Messiah dwells in you and you in him. So now we can be fully pleasing to God because it was intended for us to be able to be pleasing to God. That's the, the plan of God was for us to be reconciled so that we could be with them and be unified. Well, when you had mentioned the written code, when you crucify yourself with Christ, the written code is nailed to your cross the written code was put in place so that sin would come to life. Well, now that the written code has been taken away for those that have been crucified with Christ, that the power of sin is gone 
And now you're no longer under law. You're not under condemnation anymore, but you're under grace. But being grace doesn't mean that there's nothing that you do. It means, okay, now I walk in the spirit of the law, which means that Yah is not expecting me to be absolutely perfected in what I do, but they expect for me to walk in it and to improve and to change and line up with it. I had this thought this evening that how much more time does it take if you really want to make a meal versus you get fast food? Well, people say, well, fast food is is good and you can get it quick. Well, don't take this as fast food. Don't take what we're saying that it sounds good and yeah, give me that. No, take the time to really make the meal. Take the time to really put the ingredients together And as Sergio in our gathering would say, he's marinating on something, marinate in this and really think about it because this isn't brought out for you just to get it in this podcast and you got it and it's over. No, because it's a circular concept that understanding that look at what the word of God says about being in Messiah and read it so that when you have it, that you can go and look at that and it will line up with what you have, that the fullness of holy form means you are holy as they're holy. So you can go to other scriptures as when Yah says, be holy for I am holy. Well, in Messiah, you were able to be holy. Before then, you're not able to be holy. You're able to try holy in your mind, but enabled in order to carry it out, you need the help of God. So as you approach God, they will approach you. And Yah says that they made mankind in their image and he made them female, which is true. But Phil, I had this thought just deeper into the old Testament. Think about that. Let us make man in our image. All right. Messiah is and I mentioned this in Hebrews. Messiah is the image of the invisible God, that he is the essence of who Yah is in bodily form. So in Messiah, we are able to be the image of God. Yes, they made us in their image, male and female, Abba and Ima, but we get to actually be the fullness of God in him. We, and we're not God, but we are able to be a part of God. We're able to be unified with to be who they are and what they are. Think how they think. And again, we're not in their, in their mind, but we're able to think godly because we're able to think like they think because the fullness means that you have the fullness, meaning that You now have the mind of Messiah, which means that you have a mind that's set on things above, that you want to do what is right and what is fair and what is just. So there's so much more to being in Messiah, to being joined to God, that it's a serious thing. And there's just so many different aspects that you don't sin. You have access to all the spiritual wisdom and understanding the promises of God. Be like you're going to a major company and you're given the top security clearance that the door is open where you've got access to mysteries. You've got access to spiritual gifts, all these different things. It just opens up so much more to understand who God is more and more that they're willing in Messiah to trust us with, as we've been entrusted with the gospel that they trust that, Hey, I'll give you this information because I'm confident that you'll use it wisely. And I was just sitting there thinking that, yes, they made man from the dust of the ground, the first Adam, but Messiah's man, Adam, that the spiritual man, that in him, 
that we're able to have eternal life in him that we can actually in him be born of God, where we can through mother be born into the kingdom to where we dwell in perfection. Because when you mentioned that once you have the fullness of faith that you don't sin, that because our life is now hidden in Messiah, that if we choose to sin, we're in the body of Messiah facing Yah face to face, just like the enemy was facing God. And all right, if you do this, then you're, you're going to be escorted. It's the same thing. Now we know God. So we face God face to face that it's, as the Hebrew says, if you deliberately sin, no sacrifice for sins is left. So now there is no excuse where I didn't understand. No, we understand. And that's why when you know the way of righteousness, you've been enlightened, as Hebrew says, that once enlightened, which is you're in Messiah now, you have mother within your heart who is pure light. You've been enlightened, which means circumcision of the heart is done. You've tasted the goodness of God and the fullness of everything. Then you fall away. You can't be brought back to repentance because Messiah has already been sacrificed. He's immortal. You cannot be returned to repentance. And so those that are listening, if you think that you've had the Hebrews falling away, it is impossible to have that before being in Messiah. In Messiah, he's talking to mother is speaking through the writer of Hebrews to say all the warnings, because once you're in Messiah and you're enlightened, careful, because if you fall away, you cannot be brought back to repentance because you're bringing Messiah to be crucified to an open shame, which means you're bringing up that situation again, where Messiah cannot die again because he's immortal. And the only thing, there is no sacrifice anymore. And therefore, no matter, even if you would want to come back, you can't come back because you knew the way of righteousness. It would have been better. And we talked about this yesterday on our walk. It would be better to not know the way of righteousness than to know the way and then get entangled in it and overcome. And that's why it says that a dog returned to its vomit or a pig wallows in the mire in the mud is that this is a, that's why all the warnings. And that's why, as I've heard a, a preacher that I won't name has said, well, when you accept Messiah as your personal savior, your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. Does that line up with the word of God? Does the word of God, you're able to sin past, present, and future? Well, you do sin in the past. And for a time in repentance, you do sin in that present time. But for you to sit there and say, it's okay that you're going to sin in the future. No, the point of it is, even Messiah said it, John wrote it in letters. Stop sin. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if you're still at the beginning of the journey and you do sin, you do have an advocate. Yeshua Messiah, the righteous, the advocate that can go to the father. So if you're in the repentance part and you still sin, I'm writing this so that you don't, but if you do, it's not giving you chance to sin. And it's, we'll see, John says it. No, he's saying, no, it isn't okay to do it. Get away from it. But if you do, you have an advocate, but, I write to you, though, that you do not, because if you think it's still okay to sin after the knowledge of truth, then no, you're not in him, because Messiah himself said that, get away from me, you practiced 
lawlessness, which is sin. Sin is lawlessness. So even at the day of judgment, himself, he'll say, I don't know you. Because it says, if you continue to sin, you have neither seen him or known him. Well, if you do know him, then you won't sin because you'll say, Messiah, I agree with you. I'm immersed into you. I've given my life because I'm at the point of shedding in my battle against sin. So I'm going to die in this. I'm putting my selfishness to death. Okay. That I see that you're willing to even give your own life to get away from sin, just like I did. Okay. Well, great. That's good. But what happens is with this is because of the brainwashing and the mind control and the cognitive dissonance, you hear something, well, your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. So that means I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, and my sins in the future are forgiven because you see here in 1 John chapter 1, it says, us our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But they don't finish the rest of the verse, which says, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, doing what is right is obedience. Doing what is not right is disobedience to God. This is, I just see this as an alarm from God, a wake-up call to say what a lot of people out there have been believing is a lie, and you've been believing the lie because of the comfort of it and because of programming, and it's time to stand up and say, no, I'm done believing lies. I'm done thinking I know what this is. I'm going to seek after this with all my heart. I'm going to go to the Word of God. I'm going to dig this out. I'm going to look it up and look into it, and Yah, help me. As the word, as we say in Proverbs, as we come on the air, that call a lot for insight, cry a lot for understanding, seek it for it as for hidden treasure, and God will show you. But this is just one of those things that we're not going to sit here and tell people what they want to hear. If you if you want to hear what you want to hear, then don't listen to us. If you want to hear what the Word of God says, then listen to this, because our mindset is to speak the truth of God with Yah in us. And this is just another aspect of so much of it is just programming of just over and over, just hearing things over and over. And you think, you know, and if you don't know, it's okay to say you don't, it's better to say, you know what, I'm really not sure. And I'm going to look into this instead of, nope, I know I got this and I'll just know because then you're in a danger zone because people could bring this to us and you know what? You say that we're wrong in this, but what if you're wrong in what you're doing? What if what you believe is you've done this and you're right? Then what if you're wrong in it? You say that we've gone too far and that we're going into too much detail. Well, what about you not going into enough detail? Why are you listening to what somebody's telling you? Is it because it feels good? Is it because you're afraid that parents and brothers and sisters that have died before that they could possibly be in hell if you recognize that what you're believing is a lie. And the thing is, is that, and we've said this before, that it's unfortunate, but it isn't unfortunate. It doesn't come to the knowledge of truth. There is nobody to blame but that person. You can't blame a minister. You can't blame your parents and say, well, I just, it it wasn't fair. They didn't teach me. No, because nobody is going to have any excuse before God to stand before Yeshua and say, well, they didn't teach me right. And well, why did you listen to them and not seek after the word of God? Why didn't you seek after truth? Why did you love yourself and sin more than loving the truth? Why didn't you find it? And it's, it, it is people will be standing before him thinking, and the word of God says it. 
Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name and do all these works in your name? Notice in your name. And it says, Messiah will tell them plainly, get away from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. So the fact that you did all these things, you didn't get the fact of you were walking in disobedience. It mentions those in the word about in the old life, we were referred to as the sons of disobedience. Well, if you want to be a child of God, a child of God is a son or daughter of obedience. In 1 John, it mentions that here's how we know the children of God versus the children of the devil. The children of the devil will continue to sin. The children of God will not continue to sin because they've been born of God. They cannot sin because God is in you and God cannot sin. The only way would be it would have to be a deliberate, willful blasphemy of mother, as it's mentioned, to say that the work that you've done for me to be without sin is get out because I want to sin again. Well, Yah is not going to accept that. Well, they will accept it, and you'll you'll fall away immediately, and you'll never return again because you blasphemed the Holy One that made it possible for you to be blameless in the sight of God. So this is just another important aspect, which everything we talk about is important. But there's so much in this. Go to Colossians, go to Ephesians, go to 1 John, go to the Old Testament. Phil, I had this come to mind with Abraham being able to look deeper into the Old Testament. Abraham had the spirit of being in Messiah. He was willing to obey God, even to the point of putting his own son on the altar with the knife, lifting up the knife, ready to plunge it into his son, and Yah stopped him. Because Abraham, I can see now that you you fear God, that there's another plan here. He was given the sign of circumcision. Abraham was walking the gospel message with where it was with the spirit of Messiah was in him. He had the mindset of turning to Abba. Abba and Emma, he was referred to as a friend of God. He was willing to take his one and only son because God asked for it. I'm going to give my son because it said he reasoned in mind that Yah could raise him from the dead. Didn't say that he would. He said he reasoned that God has the power. God knows what they're doing. I'm going to obey God no matter what. Well, Abraham is referred to as the father of the faith. Look at his life. Look at the Old Testament. Look at Abraham. Abraham, leave your country and go wherever it is I have you to go. Well, what a beautiful picture of repentance to Abba that go and leave your country, turn from all of that and go where I'm going to show you. And he went. And whatever God asked him to do, he wasn't perfect in it. He did what God asked him to do, put his son on the altar. Has a meeting where he had mentioned that out in the wilderness after the defeat of the kings, that Melchizedek, the king of Salem, came out to meet him and brought bread and wine and had a conversation with him. We have a brief aspect in regards to that. I just find it just fascinating that the so much of the time the Old Testament will be put to the side, but the Old Testament is giving information on you can see the gospel message there you can see the spirit of messiah there that in that story that it's showing you that messiah is going to come and give his life on the altar so that you can have relationship with god so that you can be a friend of god because god must be a terror first before yah can be a friend it doesn't go the opposite way people want god to be a friend without god being a terror and it, it cannot be that way to have the true faith, God must be a terror first, then a friend. So 
just thoughts that I had on this so far. Well, let's use Abraham as an example for what we've been talking about. Abraham believed God. And what that means is Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness and not just Abraham, but any of the old Testament or what we call the old Testament, the original covenant uh, saints had that very same thing. They got a credit of righteousness. Uh, But a credit, remember, is something you still owe. A debit is something you own. So they got a credit of righteousness because of their belief in God. The reason uh, that they uh, couldn't enter into the kingdom at that point was because they didn't have circumcision of the heart. They circumcised their heart. They did their part of circumcision of the heart, but it was not possible for the sinful nature to be removed until after Messiah finished his work. And so with all the Old Testament saints, they were uh, baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, because they repented to God, the Father. They lived the life of obedience, which it talks about. It was the spirit of Messiah in them. That's talking about the obedience. And then their trust in God, that God was going to take care of things, and God was going to do what they said they were going to do. And so they had the fullness of the immersions, but they weren't capable of having the sinful nature removed, which is why they needed to have the continual forgiveness of sins. Well, that continual forgiveness of sins came from uh, Abba in that time frame because Messiah hadn't come yet. But this is why Messiah, then when he finished his work, Then he went into the depth of the earth to where they were being held, where everybody since the day of the flood was being held there so that he could take circumcision of the heart to those that were fully immersed in belief in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then those people, he led captives in his train. Then he took them to a place and called Abraham's side as we get from the uh, parable of the rich man and Lazarus. So we have uh, Abraham's side. And so they were all led by Messiah with their circumcision of the heart to the holding place of, uh, it was comfort and peace there. And they were there along with anybody else who dies in Messiah until the end. And then we all, inherit the kingdom together as one, as one people. And so it's it's just a, a beautiful aspect to be able to see that even though they sinned in that time frame, they didn't have the capability to not sin 
because Messiah hadn't come and done his work, but they had the spirit of Abba in them. They had the spirit of Messiah in them, and they had the spirit of mother, and all those were guiding them in their life and in their way and what they did. That's why when Abraham was told, I go to this land and where I'm taking you, and he said, okay, uh, get up and go. Noah built an ark, and Noah built the ark. All those people back then were credited with righteousness until the moment Messiah finished his work, and then he paid their credit, and now they own it through that circumcision of the heart. They have ownership of that righteousness, just as we do now that we are cleansed from all unrighteousness through this same circumcision of the heart that they received when Messiah parted, that we receive as we uh, come to the fullness of faith through the, the full immersions into the Father, into the Son, and into the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting because I was thinking about in Colossians where it says that in him you have the fullness of deity in bodily form. And then Mother put a thought in my mind. How does that tie to anybody who claims to be in him must walk as he did. Would we not say that Messiah being fully God and fully man, that he was the fullness of deity in bodily form? And therefore, if we're to walk as he did, then we have to be the fullness of deity in bodily form, which is exactly what he was. And he had that because of no sin. And again, we will not, we do not, and we will not profess that we haven't sinned. Everybody has sinned. But we do profess that there is a place where you don't sin because now we have ownership of the kingdom of God. I don't own it myself. I own it with everybody else along with God and those that are in, in the kingdom of God. And we know that there's more to God than just the Father, the Spirit, and the Son, because uh, Revelation talks about 24 elders. So we know that there's more. Now, do we understand the fullness of it? No. And those things really are not things that we would have arguments about anyway, because it has no bearing on faith. Not that we would argue anyway, but, it, you, you know, we don't get up into those uh, things now, we may discuss things like that about, well, you know, what it would be, but in reality, it doesn't matter because nobody really knows exactly, but we do know that there's more to the kingdom of God than what information that we're able to have within our mind. Now, we know that God has given us the ability in Messiah with mother in us to, to gain some other understanding that um, we don't share with anybody who doesn't have circumcision of the heart uh, just because it's just, it's spiritually discerned. So they're not going to understand it anyway. And so when we look at Messiah, he was the fullness of deity in bodily form. And the Bible tells us that in him, we are the fullness of deity in bodily form. So that means that we must walk as he did, that we must find that place 
where he didn't sin. And again, remember, he came to be an example that we would follow in his footsteps. Well, those footsteps are the fullness of deity in bodily form, that we live in this body, but we do not sin. And so I understand that that is a hard concept for people to understand. But I also say this, you can't tell me what I've experienced. I can ask you what you've experienced and you can tell me, and I can either believe you or not, but you can't tell me what I've experienced or what I haven't experienced. Now, some things I experienced in the past actually came from the enemy and I had to discover that where I thought it came from God at first. And I had to discover that no, it came from the enemy. And then I settled that issue within my mind that, oh, okay, well, I can see that now. I couldn't see that then because I didn't have the vision that I have now. But now with mother in my heart, I have a much greater ability to see things that I wasn't able to see before. And I'm very thankful for that. But, but I did not know this stuff prior to walk in it. I, before I had the heart knowledge of circumcision of the heart, I didn't understand like other people don't understand that you can live without sin until I had it and I walked in it, then I could understand it. And so you have to have the heart knowledge along with the head knowledge in order to be able to understand how it works and what it's for. And the promises of God, that's another one like in him, the promises of God are yes and amen in Messiah. And so if you're honest with yourself, can you honestly sit back? If you're not, if you think you have faith, but all the promises that God ever made throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, if you don't see them being fulfilled in your life, then you have to question whether you have the faith or not. Because again, in him, this is what you get. And I see more and more as time goes on, all the promises that God has offered, they fulfilled. Now, there are things that you have to fill a stipulation to get the promise. But in Messiah, it will give you the information necessary that you do your, your part to fill the stipulation and you will get the promise. But if you can sit back and say, well, I'm, I'm these things I'm seeing, you know, do I understand the old Testament? Well, the Bible says that in him, then the veil's lifted, but if the veil's not lifted, don't just write it off and say, well, no, I'm, I'm good. No, use those questions in your mind. The things that hit you when it's, when it's darkest and you're by yourself, use those things to recognize you don't have what you think you have. Because when you have what you know you have, there's no changing it. There's no uh, going away from it. And that's the difference. I know what it was like to be on the other side without circumcision of the heart. And I did not know my faith. But now I know it. You cannot convince me 
nobody can convince me of any other gospel than the true gospel that Messiah and Yah has taught to us that we're teaching other people. And any other gospel, let them be eternally condemned. And what that means is if you preach a different gospel, then the true gospel of God, which puts you in a place where you don't sin, then you're not going to be right with God. You have to find that place where the promises of God are yes and amen, and you recognize it. When you can stop feeling like you're cursed at any point and recognize that Every day's a good day. Every day's a blessing. And again, you have challenges. I'm not saying it's an But in the midst of the challenge, what gives you the strength is your confidence and your trust in God. That's what gives you the strength to continue to move and grow and just become better as you go. And I want to encourage anybody who's listening uh, to these podcasts that really want to know the truth of God. I want to encourage you to know that the things we're talking about, you can experience if you follow the stipulations that God has laid out. It's a must that you have to follow those stipulations. You do, you will find out that you do not sin, that you will find out that you do not have a guilty conscience. You will find out that you're able to walk Messiah did to have the fullness of deity in bodily form. And that is a great aspect. And I can tell from my heart knowledge, the, the peace that I have in my faith in God through all three aspects of repentance, obedience, and trust, I have never had the sense of peace in my life like I do now. And I uh, was programmed by uh, circumstances in my life to worry a whole lot about a lot of different things, and in the end, they don't really matter. But I have been able to find a peace where I don't have that kind of worry and concern. Why? Because my trust is in God. And again, will I be challenged at that from time to time? Yes, but I'm okay with that because all I'm going to do is just beef up my trust a little bit more, beef up my obedience a little bit more, beef up my repentance. My is re Repentance meaning that I've turned to God and I just continue to grow in their direction recognizing things from my lower conscience, digging into the lower conscience, uh, digging it up, figuring out, is there good in it? Is there not? If there's no good in it, I completely get rid of it. If there's good in it, I pick the good out of it, and then I throw the rest away. But it's a necessary thing to, be, to do that. And in order to do that, you have to be in him, circumcision of the heart, and when you have that, you will know it and you will be able to recognize and see that every time the Bible says, in him, you have this. In him, this is the way it is. You will be able to see and recognize that 
And so my encouragement is, is just seek God with all of your heart and let God show you the way. And when God shows you the way, then just walk in it. Repent, which means absolute uh, agreement with God. Obedience, absolute, whatever God says, tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And the mindset of absolute trust. Now, absolute in each one of these doesn't mean that we don't continue to grow and learn in them. It means that my mindset, my mind is set in absolution, knowing that in a circular perspective, I'm going to continue to grow and increase on each level of the repentance, the obedience, and the trust, which is just going to swing me back around to the repentance, obedience, and trust. And we've talked about this before because the gospel message that we learn that gets us into Messiah is the continual thing that we go through that allows us to continue to grow in Messiah. We will follow the exact same steps, and that's why none of it is intended to be linear where, all right, well, I'm going to seek God with all of my heart until I have faith. No, I seek God with all of my heart. It's the rest of my life. I, I All the things I've meant to God, it's the rest of my life. I trust God. It's the rest of my life. And that means that every time something new comes up, I have an opportunity. Repent, obey, trust. God's going to take care of it. And there's going to be some suffering because what was it said about Messiah? He learned obedience through what he suffered. So we're going to have suffering. So when we suffer, let's just use it and figure out what, what aspect of obedience is this teaching me so that I can just continue to learn and grow and increase and improve while I live on the face of the earth. And then when I perish, I will go to Abraham's side and I will be there with everybody else that is at Abraham's side until the final judgment. When judgment is passed, those that are condemned here, those that are going into the kingdom here, and everybody will go in together because that is right, that is fair, that is just from God, that nobody other than who is in the kingdom now gets to experience that alone. It's everybody gets together in the kingdom. Well, the word of God says that all things were made by him and for him and through him, talking about Yeshua, that, as you said, we own it all. Messiah is the owner, and in him we get an inheritance. We partake in it in Revelation when it says that one, like a lamb slain, was standing before the throne and was given the scroll, and John was weeping because that no one was found worthy to open it, and that Messiah was found worthy to open it because the, the whole aspect of creation was all for Messiah, that all things would be reconciled to Yah in him. So in him, you have the reconciliation. You have the love of God because the word says that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah, which is true unless you choose to walk away from it. And then therefore you leave the love of God, but nothing can separate you from the love of God. You mentioned the blessings and the curses. Well, blessings for obedience. Well, in him, 
he was fully obedient to God. Well, in him, which means you're walking in obedience to God. So if you think something's a curse, it's not a curse. You're just, you're putting that in your mind because blessings for obedience, well, you don't sin. So there is no disobedience. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope in the future. Well, in Messiah, your hope in the future is the kingdom of God. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing that the, what's referred to as the old Testament is the shadow of the reality itself. Well, the reality is in Messiah where you, that's how you're able to understand it because when you're in him, the veil is lifted off the old Testament so that you can see the reality of this. The reality is the work of Messiah. The reality is the spiritual aspect of it because the law is spiritual. So you have a written, well, that's put in place just to show you that you don't realize that, you're a sinner. Well, you need to know you're a sinner. Well, to be fair and just, I'm going to put the written code in place so that you can see that you're a sinner and that you need a savior. Well, and then that brings in our son because if he's the savior, that's going to save you from your sins. And I remember Paul saying this in the word that who will save me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Messiah, my Lord. Well, Messiah is the one that, that saves us from the body of death, that getting us out of this sinful body and getting us into his body so that one with him, we don't sin. And then we have work to do in our lower conscience because there's all the dysfunction that's been put in there. And that's where that we're able to put to death the steeds of the body by the spirit, by mother within that we can, she can show us and say, you see this house, it's been all hoarded up. All right. Now it's time for you to go to work and remove the things that are not godly and the things that are godly can stay and put the godly in and, and replace these things. We say this at the beginning, actually at the end of the podcast, we'll have a jingle at the end. It says the greatest thing for you to find is discovery. And that's the thing seeking God with all your heart and being able to discover this on your own, that many people will say, well, give me the proof and then I'll believe. No, you've got to seek God first. And not only will Yah give you proof, they will give you more than enough proof to show you that they exist and that they are real and that their truth is living and active. That if somebody would want us to prove that God exists, we can do that, but they've got to do their part that you've got to seek God with all your heart so that God will draw near to you. Because for people that aren't seeking God with all their heart, it's still going to be veiled. And if you want that veil lifted, you've got to turn to God so that you can see the work of God and, and Abba will lead you in the old Testament to show you the tabernacle and the tabernacle shows you the gospel message and it shows you the work of Messiah in it. And then you can look at all the other stories. So there's plenty of information for anybody to find the true faith in God. It's just that you've got to do your part that Yah has done their part so that we can find them. But it's just like with anything, you've got to do the part this isn't about you listening to this and then we do it for you we cannot do your faith for you, that your faith is your faith. And that's just why in the word, a lot of people will take the word and say, well, I'm going to pray the prayer of Jabez. Well, God has already heard the prayer of Jabez. They want to hear the prayer of Philip. They want to hear the prayer of Sean or Cindy or Anna Ruth or Josh, any, anybody. They want to hear what you say to them. Not that you couldn't model it and use that as, okay, well, I could use this to talk to God, but this is about a personal relationship with God and you can't get any more personal being in somebody's mind and understanding them and walking as, as they did. And that's the thing that 
people could look at us and say that you're crazy and what you say is lies, you're false teachers. Well, the, the false teacher aspect, will that'll be dealt with in the end. But if anybody wants to call us false, they can call us false. But if you're going to claim something that's true, just show me in the word where it says what you're saying and let's look at it. Let, let's figure it out. Is there something that we're not seeing? But a lot of times people would just say that because they just don't want to listen and they don't want to hear the truth. They just want to hear what they want to hear. But this information, this is one of those where you've got to be willing, you have to be willing to put what you think you know on the shelf. You have to be willing to say, look, I'm wrong in this, that I've been, I admit that I've been believing a lie and I'm going to look into it to be, that you got to be willing to put everybody to the side and seek after God because God does not lie. That people will lie to you. People will take advantage of you. God will not do that. And it's, it's just a, a call for, for action for people to, if you really want to know this, you're going to have to put in the work, but you can know it. But you have to follow the, the stipulations. You have to follow it in the order the Yah is laid out. That if you don't do that, then you're not going to find Yeshua unless you find the Father first. And you're not going to find Mother if you don't find the Son. And it goes in that order. And the, the fact that Yah brought this out about having the fullness in the Old Testament, I hadn't seen that. And just had some things come to mind with the people that it mentions in Hebrews, those that were living in caves and destitute and sought in two because... They were looking for a better resurrection. Well, what better trust than, no, I'm going to trust God. And even if you saw me in two, I'm not renouncing this faith. Well, the spirit of mother of trust of no, no matter, even if I I'm killed in this, or I have to live in, in the bottom of the earth and in caves, I don't care. I'm not renouncing this faith that I have. And then Messiah saying, okay, just like the thief on the cross that today you'll be with me in paradise that You'll be down when you die, you'll go down in the earth and you will be with me as I separate Abraham's side from the place of torment. So we have a scripture of that, but in Messiah is unity. There's one church, true church. That is the church of Messiah. It's not different denominations. There is no denominations that are mentioned in the word of God. Messiah doesn't say you're going to go over here and form this denomination and you're going over here and do this denomination and this denomination. No, it's the truth that the church of Messiah is, is based on the truth of God. And there's only one truth of God and that's what we follow. We're followers of the way. So if anybody were to think what denomination we are, we're not a denomination. We're not a part of any denomination because a denomination is a division. We're of the way, which is Messiah, who said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except by me. If you're not in him, you're not going to see the Father in the kingdom of heaven, nor will you see him or mother either. But the way to be entered, to be given a rich entrance, just like when he ascended into heaven, and it said, today I'll become your father and you become my son because I've returned to the Father. We return to the Father today. Welcome into the kingdom, my son, my daughter, my daughter in that circumstance. Well, it's also important to recognize that when we have the ask, seek, and knock, okay, the intention behind that is that you're in Messiah now. If you're seeking God with all of your heart and you're in the journey and you're walking through the gospel message uh, and you're 
doing it with all your heart and you pray to God, I uh, then that they'll answer your prayers. Now, sometimes they'll answer your prayer by, no, I'm not giving that to you. And you may not, you may not hear that. You may just, well, I didn't get it. And well, that's because they said no, but this aspect of just invoking the name of Messiah, which at, at some point you're going to do it first where, you know, cause that's what you're taught. You know, you pray in the name of, in the name of the uh, son, in, in the, the name of Jesus. We, we, and so what people do is they say their prayer and then they finish their prayer. I pray this in the name of Jesus and they're invoking a name. And that's not what the intention is. The intention is that your prayers answered or because you're in Messiah, not because you in his name for that reason. Now, I'm not going to write off the fact that on the journey that you can't use Messiah's name and Messiah to say clearer, you know, if you're going to have a prayer time or you're going to have a Bible study and you want to remove and make sure that there's no evil presence there, that uh, then I'm going to invoke the name in the name of Messiah that anything, any evil now, uh, you can do that for a time, but the intended perspective of praying in Messiah is not a, uh, incantation, but it is a, you are in Messiah. You have the fullness of deity and bodily form. A, a prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And so you, when you are in Messiah, you are righteous before God and therefore ask, seek, and knock. And if your prayers are being answered, that has to uh, deem that you might ask the question, why are my prayers not being answered? And sometimes the enemy, as an angel of light, will answer your prayers. And you think you've heard from God, but without being in Messiah, without having mother in your heart to give you the ability to discern the difference between Yah and the enemy, then you're going to be deceived. You have to know the difference. And so the, the concept of praying in Messiah, on the journey you're seeking with all of your heart, invoke his name, it never hurts to use his name. But the intended goal is that you will be in Messiah and then those prayers will be answered. This comes to mind right now mother putting this in my mind, the uh, seven sons of the one priest who were trying to cast out demons in the name of the, the, this Jesus that Paul preaches. Okay. There is no, they weren't in Messiah, but they were trying to invoke his name because of, well, this in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches, we're going to cast you out. And, his response is, this Paul you talk about, I know. This Jesus you talk about, I know. But you, who are you? And then all seven of them 
leave the house naked and bleeding bad uh, of a beating they took i uh, it's not a good idea to try to invoke the name of messiah especially if you don't aren't on the journey to seek it out with all I don't know whether they were trying to do it to gain recognition or what their exact end game was, but by the way they said, we were, we remove you in the name of this Jesus that Paul preaches. Well, that tells you that if it was, if Messiah was theirs, they wouldn't have said in the Messiah that Paul preaches, they would say, uh, in the name of Messiah, because that's where I am. I'm in Messiah. You have to leave. Well, if they were actually in Messiah, then those demons wouldn't have had a choice. Why do you think the demons uh, looked at Messiah trembling with fear and, you know, don't, don't send us to our doom. Let us go into the pigs. And so they went into the pigs and ran off the cliff. And so just, uh, really important to know that if if you really want to the name of messiah to matter in your prayer life be in him you will be righteous and then your prayers will be answered the key factor is you have to listen for the answer sometimes you have to look for it you ask for something and you have to look for Where's, where is this answer coming from? But ask, seek, and knock. And if you're in Messiah and you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. So use what you have in Messiah and pray to God and learn to pray unceasing. In Messiah. You're in Messiah and you're constantly having conversation with Yah. You're driving down the road. You're laying in bed at night. You're uh, doing whatever whatever it is. You're having spiritual conversation with somebody else. You're, you're still invoking God in the midst of that. But in order to do that, your optimal place to be is in Messiah, in Him, and you will get to enjoy the answering of prayers and the uh, just all the the blessings and promises of God even to the point that you'll recognize things that are a struggle or a blessing for you when you are in Messiah all curses should go away in your mind but you have to recognize once you're in Messiah you have to recognize what you have. And this is why it's important. If you're not in Messiah, you haven't reached circumcision of the heart. It doesn't matter. Read all the areas where it talks about in him and what it's like in him and what you have in him and recognize the areas that you don't have the, the fulfilled promise and recognize, okay, I'm not in him yet, but I'm going to figure out how to get there and I'm just going to continue seeking God with all of my heart. And then you will get to that point where it will come around and it will be full circle and you'll be able to do it. And so just, uh, again, just like every other topic, this one's uh, just as good as all the others. It's the truth of God. 
and embrace it. And here's the thing, this out there for anybody who uh, wants to know the truth, who's seeking God with all of your heart. When you know truth and somebody disagrees with you, you will not get angry. You will not get mad. You will not get frustrated. Because when you know truth, there's no reason for you to get upset. If you find yourself getting upset when somebody pins you in a corner, that's your problem. Because you don't have the ability to give a good answer for the faith that you have. And the good answer that you're trying to give keeps get, getting turned around to a that you're contradicting yourself. And when you see that, just stop. Stop and recognize that you're God. That, that don't don't fight against God because you can whether you agree with us or not means nothing to me. If if I'm called a false prophet, means nothing to me. I don't answer to man. I answer to God, and God is the one who's going to guide and direct me. And if I need correction. It will come from God, and I will receive it joyfully, make changes necessary, and continue on the journey. Well, one the podcast and I with this, I had a scripture come to mind, got some further understanding on. In Messiah, we are able to, and it mentions this in First John, that because of the clear conscience, knowing that you don't sin, you can go boldly before the throne of grace to receive help in your time of need. Well, boldly doesn't mean arrogantly demanding. You think about the last time you were bold that you went with great courage and no fear because you went boldly that I don't care what happens. I'm going to go in just like Esther. Hey, whatever happens to me happens to me. And that's the thing is you can go before the throne of grace with boldness because it's just like in Messiah, you're talking directly to Yah. And just like Messiah said that if a, if a child asks a father for a son, is he going to give him a snake? No, they'll, they'll give, why would the father not give good gifts to their children? So we have the ability to go before God with boldness because we do what is pleasing in their sight. They will gladly hear us and answer our prayer because we do what is pleasing to them and we walk in accordance with their will. That's the thing. When you're in Messiah, you will walk in accordance to, with the will of God, and therefore you know your prayers are not only heard, but your prayers are answered and you do what you ask uh, because you're pleasing to them. So I agree. Just every concept, every topic that we get is good. It's functional. It's a blessing. And we're on the podcast today and, um, Lord willing, we will be back again here on Saturday. And I'm very appreciative for everybody listening and hope everybody has a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. 
Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.